Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic Hour. Okay, here we are, Friday. Ready to take your calls, 914-338-0164. And we're late. Apologies. Um, the reason we're late is because I had a sound issue and had to restart my laptop, which fixed things, thank goodness. Oh, it's always nerve-wracking when you have computer issues, you know. But I guess there are worse fates. Um so our callers and listeners can join us on Facebook. Those accounts are linked on our Blog Talk Radio pro- profile, Neil and Kristen Baker Psychic. So while we're waiting, we do have a caller from 708 who I believe is listening, but if she would like to speak with us, um, we request, oh, she hung up, okay. <laughs> she doesn't want to talk to us. I thought you said we had callers. We had a caller. No, I didn't say we had callers. I hadn't even opened my computer yet. We were running behind. That's why uh, the technical issue cut into our radio show time. We were just running a little late today. But anyway, karma. Let's talk about karma and its unforgiving nature. Yeah, that's the unfortunate thing about karma. You can't, you can't joke around with it. You know, there's an ad on TV, mm-hmm. and the, the the people the people depicted in the commercial say, you know, I'm in the best shape of my life, and it's about shingles, and they go, shingles doesn't care. I, you know, exercise five hours a week. Shingles, it's kind of the same thing with karma. Yeah. Karma doesn't care. Karma doesn't care. Well, you know. karma karma doesn't have to care. Karma is there to Make sure you're repaying your debts and you're going through your necessary energies from past lives and sometimes from the current life for comeback. Now, that's why sometimes innocent, loving, giving, good people get caught bad karma because it's coming from the depth of their soul's past life energies. And there's nothing that can be done in some cases to offset the karma. So no matter how great a person you've been in your lifetime. You know, if you've been charitable, volunteered, donated money. Yeah, you may get shot in the parking lot. You may get raped. You, you know, all kinds of things can happen to you. Uh, lose everything you own. The There are two types of karmas. One is unforgivable and you've got to pay it. And that's most karma. The other one can be swayed by... Prayer, meditation, 
um, leniency from God, if you want to call it that, help from angels. You get the picture. It's, it, there's ways sometimes to alleviate karma and also eliminate it by the active participation that occurs in one's life, whether they're doing it themselves or someone's helping them. Uh, where maybe some sons, priests, therapists, psychics. But, the, you know, the, the agenda is, what is the sentence? How strong is the karma? For the most part, on the flat line, karma is coming to get you, and there's nothing you can do about it. So it's sort of destiny bound. Right. But sometimes the, it's fatal. Sometimes it's much less than fatal, but, but it's there. But as a psych, I mean, as a psychic, as a psychic, the ability to measure a subject's karma is is an important part of being psychic. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, like you said, with energy work, the help of angels and spirits, you know, shifting 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 things so a person doesn't slide into a fatality um, where it's not total destiny bound but i mean it's it's just difficult it's very difficult because you know there are cases where there are cases where karma hits a person and it's unexpected it's unexpected and it surprises the the psychic well the intensity as well uh, has to be measured and that sometimes is the tip the psychic has whether they know it's inevitable and it's going to happen and there's nothing we can do about it or whether there's some position in which the karma can be interacted with something that might reduce it or eliminate it. But that also depends on now the decreasing layers of energy that the karma karma has. Sometimes it's very easy, and sometimes it is adjustable, but it's very hard, and sometimes it's 50-50. But you've got to kind of, it's like a doctor evaluating whether uh, someone has a, a, a fatal disease that's terminal or whether there's a chance to get through it and they use their medical methods. Psychics use energy methods. And, but, but a good psychic would know whether it's impossible or not. Now, in some cases, um, a psychic can feel that nothing is going to happen and then it does. Okay, so in a situation like that, well, we're on the human level, so the psych- no psychic is going to be 100% accurate. So when that happens, the psychic has to jump into action and see what they can do to help. That would be like the passenger in a car sees that the driver has fallen asleep, and even though they're not in the driver's seat, they jump and grab the wheel, and they're trying to steer it while they're trying to put the brake on. And it's icy road. Well... In the analogy, sometimes a psychic, assuming that everything's fine, something goes wrong, now the psychic has to jump into action. Those things happen. We can't help it. It's the world. We can't help it. For the most part, if you find a good psychic, you have to trust them. But things do go wrong at times, and people can make mistakes, as they do in anything, anything in life. Not there isn't a thing where a mistake can't be made. Right. Not only about not only mistakes. I mean, that's anyone subject to mistakes. But then there's also the matter of what what a psychic reveals to the person that they're helping about that person's fate. 
and how much that psychic knows <laughs> contrasted with how much that psychic tells that person. Yeah, it's a I fine mean, line. Psychics have to work under, just like a doctor, they have to work under an ethical code. As long as we're in, and the, you know, this is considered the world of entertainment. It's supposed to be just an entertaining endeavor. It's not supposed to be taken seriously. But those psychics that do take themselves seriously and do obligate themselves to truth, honesty, integrity, authenticity, um, has to measure what to tell a potential subject what the truth is. And um, sometimes it's considered a, a position of attitude or physical demonstration, like, you know, you're just going, well, it doesn't look real good. You know, something like that. Now, psychics should never deliver lie or mislead. But, but then we get into the idea that if a psychic is really at odds with the truth, what a psychic can do to get out of that is say, we really have to work on the energy and pray and meditate and appeal to the angels and God and spirits because this is very going to be very bad. And as a psychic, I'm going to do everything I can to make my connections with the other side as strong as possible. Now, that would be probably the line in which a psychic would be saying to the subject, this ain't doesn't look good. We're going to need something extraordinary, and I'll try to make the contacts work in our favor. So it isn't really, it's a difficult position, but there should always be clarity in a reading what a psychic tells his or her subject, his or her client, his or her participant. There should never be false statements made. Now, what happens when a psychic's wrong? I mean, yeah, it happens. It's difficult. It's probably more difficult for the psychic if they care than for the subject. I mean, they probably both share equal dismay. But it, 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 those things happen. can't help it. You know, you have a brand new car. You're driving. You're doing everything right. You're making your payments. Everything's perfect. And you run over a nail, the car has a flat tire, it skids into a wall, you break your neck, and the car's totaled. Okay, whose fault? What's going on? Did the car dealership tell you, you know, equipped tires and all that? Things happen. I mean, it's just logic. You can't always be perfect here. Um, so you always have to consider that, especially with psychics. What the job of the client is to find what they feel is a good psychic, one that they can trust, and one that doesn't seem to be conniving or has has a deliberate aim to 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 rob them or something. Tell fairy tales to them, but that's where that stands. And um, in, in doing this for over, I mean, out of my whole lifetime, for probably. Over 60 years. I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, I huh? in, a, in a more formal context, it's less than 60 years. I mean, you were 11 at 60 years old. I mean, 
1160 years ago. But in a more, yeah, but in a more formal context. Well, okay, in a more formal context, if you've got to talk about this nonsense, since about the age of 17, I started doing my first formal reading. So 70, 27, 40, 70, 70, 70, 70, over 55 years. 55 years. So, I mean, what? I mean, Fossil. You know, yeah. So, um, I mean, how much, I mean, this is every day, every single day. So how can, how much can, you know, you can learn and learn and learn and learn and learn, but, but pretty soon you just get well seasoned. Now, you know, like a doctor, some of the newer doctors learn new techniques. So the old family physicians sort of outranked by the new doctor because he's got all the new techniques and all the new instruments. It doesn't happen with psychics. A psych, more, the older a psychic is, the, the more authentic. I, I agree. You don't jump in young and as a new psychic and start doing reading and say, well, I'm better than the older psychic because I've, I've got all the new techniques at hand. However, I must interject here because the new doctors, I mean, new doctors, whole different training. And the old doctor, I think, is, is something that should be, you know, old style doctor is in a lot of cases better, even though new doctors have ways. techniques. I mean, or new, not only techniques, but there's new new studies, new new information that educates them in a different way than an old doctor. So there's more open-mindedness it, it to, you know. back and forth. It does shift back and forth. You know, but, the old mechanics don't know how to work on much for them, but they know how to work Yes, just common nonsense, common sense. Psychics, it's kind of nonsensical to even talk about it. We, I, you know, the two of us sound like two toadstools on it. <laughs> but okay. the idea that um, a psychic doesn't have to know new techniques, it, you know, and uh, I'll, I'll, anyone out there can demo challenge me, but you don't need to know new techniques. There is some new technique unless you, you're, you do psychic reading. So you're either machine. connected. Or you're not. Yeah. I mean, that's the truth. And I mean, there's different levels. I mean, then you get into the levels of being psychic. You know, is it psychic from your brain? Are you connecting with the other side? Is there, is, does the psychic have a relationship with angels, higher energies? Did the person, is the person anointed as, in, yeah. in the human realm and has come down for a purpose that is a, a, a spiritual purpose? I mean, there are psychics that are just psychics that are purely psychic and it's based on a brain It's a whole connection. different area. You know, the so, psychics get into all the mystical mishmash and spirit. I mean, it would be like Jesus coming back and saying, you know, you're too old-fashioned. <laughs> you got, you know, Billy Graham <laughs> knows a little bit more than you do. He, well, yeah, Billy yeah. Graham wasn't a psychic, but Billy Graham, yeah. Well, I'm talking about related religious, religious context. context. You know, yeah. um, he, he's a little bit more modern. He knows what radios are. You, you go, go back. You're an old-fashioned. It doesn't work anymore. So, so, so according to you, Billy Graham, uh, <laughs> we have a note from Billy Graham. Billy Graham, oh no, Rosalind Carter. I got oh, mixed up. Uh, uh, a note that we have, uh, you know, a, a copy, you know, that they send out to everybody. But anyway, Billy Graham, according to you, and I'm not, I was never, I, I never watched Billy Graham myself, but according to you, Billy Graham is not. Um, or it was 
and authentic. Yeah, I mean, I read it. Christian, you know, what he was in his personal life. You know, what he was in his personal life. You know, I mean, he he bumped heads with a lot of presidents, and he was up there. And that's why I think I got mixed up with Carter. As far as him understanding the concepts that he represented, uh, he was pretty, he was, you know, in that context, he was right. Wasn't he like, was one of the older, I mean, we're talking about old and new here, but wasn't he one of the original, like, televangelists? Uh, Was he a televangelist? I mean, yeah, well, well, yeah, but, you know, he, he was, his, his famous attitude would be like, he'd have these huge, gatherings with tens of thousands of people right. so he he traveled around and um his shows i mean you could probably find him on shows and but he didn't have it's the billy graham hour starring and you know a bunch of dancers come out no he didn't have a show i don't think he had a show uh, there were others that I did have a show i remember him being on tv he, he was on tv for sure and he had specials and Right, but and like had, I mean, now what do you call those things when they all everybody goes into the, the arena and they're all sitting down like at a stadium, and then he would preach. Yeah, it's like to, now uh, Joel Austin is one of them. I mean, he's I, in my estimation like a total fraud, and you know he's raised tons of money for himself. I mean, he's yeah. extremely greedy. Um, you know the uh, the bakers. Not us, not us. Bakers with two Ks. Yeah, Jim Baker. <laughs> Jim Baker and Tammy Faye. Um, who are they? Well, they had a show. Um, uh, yeah. But but uh, Billy Graham. Let's you know, see and we just don't want to separate this. I mean, there are uh, there are Muslims and Jews and Hindus. Well, we're on the subject of uh, that that as well uh, promote truth by the inspirational connection they have to. To higher elements, metaphysical elements. Okay. Things not of the flesh. Crusades. Yeah, that was it. Crusades. Like, like in the ancient Billy times. Crusades, yeah, <laughs> you go out and conquer towns. Um, that's what it was called. That was what he was famous for. But his books were thoughtful. He was articulate. Uh, I never found anything askew in his attitude and analogy. Now he may not have held certain principles. You know his idea of homosexuality and things like that. Yes, he was. You know, into, up and up in my estimation. He promoted but, integration, though. He was anti. Oh yeah. Anti-racist. Yeah, he was, a, he so was an overall pretty good guy. But you know, we've got. Um, and I don't just want to separate this into the categories of of, of Christian religion. He had we a have lot of mystics. Money. We have wonderful people. We have wonderful rabbis. We have people who teach. Uh, Hinduism and the Muslim. I mean, we have, you know, everyone is really under the right page when when they're talking about the attitude of their connection to God and the well-being of humankind. I mean, that's where the World Council works. When you get into areas like Nazism and um, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, fascists and People like this who, who separate the races and they, they demand the destruction of people. I mean, this is where it gets nasty. And you kind of conceptualize, you have to conceptualize, is this really human beings that represent the totality of humanity? And, you know, we don't say mankind. Forget that one. Humanity. The human race. The human 
population. But aren't we man and wife? Uh, yeah, man and wife. Um, <laughs> One of my favorites. Um, know, in, in the attitude of, of the totality of the concept of the universe, we also, uh, it, with Chris and I, we involve everything. I mean, we say drain flies. We, we you know. <laughs> you we, say drain flies. Well, I, no, I know now I, I've, I've got that, some. You know, when you, if you follow oh. in a camera the life of a drain fly from the first hatching, and you really watched the way a drain fly lives and works. I know they're they're cute, survive. and you're right. Now I have this. Now I don't want to kill this. I, you they know, have I, a right to live. Yeah. They share the planet just like us. What are we supposed to kill a drain fly? Because oh, they're dirty. They're in the sink, and then we kill them, and then we get in our car and we pollute the environment, or we throw a piece of gr- paper on the ground. You know. I mean. We pollute every single damn day of our lives. As soon as we flush the toilet, we pollute. Well, yeah, and not only, I mean, you know, gas um, in the home, heating the home yeah. this winter. It's we like, share you know, this electricity with all living toxic. forms. And as far as this creature is concerned, I try to save everything I encounter. I, I don't discriminate. Well, you don't like mosquitoes too much. Well, I'll, I'll try to capture them as much as possible, but I really am not going to be enthused about having one bite me at you know, my nose or something. But um, I, I try not to even kill a mosquito if it's possible. But, you know, I mean, some things you just have to. But like black widows will say, I mean, it, you know, everything has a fascinating life cycle. Everything is amazing down to the uh, worship of flowers and colors and how things survive and uh, the vibration of living things. I don't know about worship of flowers. I'm not talking about worship. I'm talking about worship in the form of in awe. Worship is really to be respectful. Right, but... You don't... I mean, if you worship something on a human level, then you're following their... uh, their ideas and you're bowing down to them and they are your ruler. But the worship is really the coin word is in awe, is in amazement. It is to be in servitude of something that you respect. That is the true essence of worship. We've conducted it now to a terminology that only applies to like this, the human character. And then if we say we worship nature, we, we're not, we've destroyed our language. We've destroyed the root system of what the purity of the word well, isn't, means. Well, isn't language, well, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to disagree. Isn't well, language, just <laughs> isn't, isn't language supposed to evolve? I mean, if, if we had no evolution of language, then there would be uh, a limited now the root, no. well, limitation as involves, far as. Language involves. And, and language carries forth multiple meanings and, and it morphs into other right. zones, but okay. there's root words. I understand there's that, root but if we're talking about the, the true definition of worship, I mean, no, you know, I, we, no. you know, come on. You know, I, I you can about, only, I language about, can only evolve on your terms. You know, I fell asleep in a wonderful arena of grass and some guy thought it was a pothead. Oh, well, well, you know, that's what it is. No. You know, we don't, that, it, I don't care about the contemporary, the contemporary, I love language, I love words, it's my business, but 
the idea that I'm going to business. Huh? I said it's none of your business. It's none of, none of my business. Um, what are you bringing Catholicism into this? <laughs> well, um, why not? <laughs> um, I've known a couple of nuns, and believe me, they were my business. But uh, the idea that um, that we, you know, language is a beautiful thing, and the study of language is beautiful. The root words of, of language is, is wonderful. And, you know, we, we tend to say, well, that's archaic. You don't say that anymore. How be it. Yeah, like how be it. Now it's spelled H-O-W-I. But how be it is really how be it. How what an interesting uh, combination of words. How. I'm fascinated. It, this is fast. Because we're getting into the, you know, God said to Adam, you can... You can uh, frolic in the garden. How be it? Don't <laughs> eat that damn tree over there. Don't don't eat of say, the fruit of the yeah, tree. Eat of the of the fruit. It was. Did he know, say how be it? I mean, in King James oh, Version. Oh, yeah, he was he really yeah, one of his he, favorite words. It was his way of protecting himself. <laughs> I love mankind. How be, be it? it. <laughs> if you disobey me, you're going to be dead. So you know, so much for uh, the root word of love and eternity, but. The idea that um, we have to give readings, how be it? How be it? How be it? Uh, well, we may be wrong. Sorry. How be it? Well, <laughs> how be it? How be it does not appear in the King James Version until Judges. It isn't even in Genesis. I know. So, how be well, it? Well, but God, God loved that word, how be it? He did no, not use the, it when the creating the, the word. Earth. of God, so Judges, um, and believe me, Judges... The first judgment was in Genesis. So we couldn't have the book of Judges if it wasn't for Genesis. That's right. But he wasn't so throwing the word around, you know, it's all at the, the beginning. Unless, yeah. you know, the word of God is translated incorrectly. So, and here it moves into the New Testament. Oh, lovely. Lovely. Every yeah. gospel has, albeit, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I've tasted plenty of mints, and some of them I don't like. <laughs> but... Um, the idea that we are now in the area of what is, what was the thing you brought forth in the beginning? I don't know. We're talking about karma and oh, the karma. unforgiving yeah. nature of karma, which is, you know, something we're dealing with you know, we're in an intense, in an intense, uh, in an intense manner, not to do with us necessarily, not but to do with us, not to do with that, us you know, but somebody else. Show, Jerry Van Dyke started my mother, my mother's a karma. <laughs> uh, it was a great show, and it was a talking car, and that was his mom. Very cool. Actually, the real title was My Mother, the Karma. Well, you know, it's interesting. We talk about language and how it's evolved. I mean, karma is an Indian word, and, and or what what is it, Sanskrit? But um, Sanskrit or Hindi? Well, karma, 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 karma comes essentially into the idea that that we yeah Sanskrit have yeah it is Sanskrit it's Sanskrit but but it comes deeper into the element of the soul right but we talk about language morphing and now karma is has become a I mean a word that's used 50 years ago. You didn't hear Caucasians talking about karma yeah. uh, on a general basis. I mean, it's it, not common. Now it's embedded in. I mean, well, you businesses. Well, did hear human beings talk about it. Just a selective group. 
maybe a selected group, but this is now it's karma, karma is a, it may well of course it's ancient, but my my point is Christians we're not talking about karma now we have businesses credit karma is one of them, I mean you see see the word karma used so I mean it's it's commonplace. People talk about karma. If people were not talking, I mean, I wasn't alive in the 50s, but I imagine that people on a general basis were not talking about karma in the 1950s. It, no. wasn't, in, it, it wasn't a common word well, in it, it day-to-day was, life. but not in your circle, but it was common. I wasn't alive then, so I didn't have a yeah, circle was, in the 50s. It was alive. No, I wasn't alive. No, but it was alive. It the may have been alive. alive. Well, of course, it's been alive. I understand that, but I'm talking about in the United States. Was there businesses called, you know, were there businesses with the name Karma in them? You'd have to do a research on, you know, when did Karma become popularized and and visibly available to the general public? You know, what words, what, you know, the history of Karma. But karma goes way... But but never suggest, I said Karma wasn't... Let's get clear. I said karma is an ancient word, but but Western in Western language it has it, it has gained popularity in the past agree. thirty years. Uh, no, well, it gained popularity, but it's been it was used when I was a little boy. Well, when in the fifties by who? It was it was just wherever I went in circles, <laughs> it was used. I was a psychic kid. I understand and, you were a psychic, so, kid, but well, that is not. You, well, I, I, listen, I can't give you the, the address. <laughs> and you're, you're challenging me on something that's. Well, I'm asking your experience. We're having a discussion, so tell me about your experience of karma, because I, I imagine if My I walk down the street, I hung around with you, fortune tellers. I hung right. around with psychics. Exactly. So that when is a fringe. That's fringe. That's fringe. That's fringe. If you walk, that's French. No, no. I think there's no French. <laughs> no, that's culture. fringe culture. That's not mainstream. Karma has become mainstream. It's become a mainstream terminology. It's become more popular now, so, more available in the exactly in the Caucasian language. And you, if you walk down the street to, you know, a, a neighbor, that's I, I'm not going to name the neighbor, but if we walk three doors down and talk to them about karma, they're not going to talk. They're not going to. I mean, they might know. They may know about it, but they're not going to, it's not, believe me, it's not part of their, uh, it's not part of their. uh, You know, there's a wonderful uh, scene in, in, uh, you know, T.E. Lawrence. Dialect, but. Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence, which was also a book. But uh, T.E. Lawrence saves an Arab. He goes, this Arab falls off his camel. The Arab falls off and, his camel. That's the Arab, inclusive. The, this guy falls off his, you know, he's, okay, so he falls off his, his um, camel, and he's now walking in the desert, and he... Uh, Vernacular, sorry, my brain dying. is so slow. He's dying in the desert. These days. And Lawrence says, I'm going to go back and, and find him. And that was a death sentence on Lawrence. But he goes back into the desert, the hot desert on his camel, and he finds this guy, and he brings him back. And um, this other fellow from the tribe says, well, that was his fate. That was his karma. He was supposed to die in the desert. And And Lawrence said, no, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in that. And so um, he says, well, he will die. 
because Carmen says he will. And Lauren says, that's bull. So then... No, it's camel. Yeah, and he he, he started the cigarette business. But then he... uh, There's something where he he cheats, and this guy that he saved cheats in cards, or he does something wrong, or he kills somebody. He did something bad. And T.E. Lawrence now is forced with his own gun, and he does, because the offense was so horrible. And the guy that originally said uh, it's fate for him to die, he looks at Lawrence after he kills him and says, you see, that's karma. So, the, you know, it goes, back, it goes back in time. It's just something I remember significantly because that was always a scene in the – I read his biography, but there was always a scene in the movie. What movie? I don't know how accurate. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia? But it's a wonderful – Never heard of that. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a wonderful, it, it, it's a wonderful uh, scene in the, in the movie. There was a wonderful image. That wonderful image is there. But Karma goes back. Uh, Zoroaster. Zoroastrianism is the religion. Will deal with some form of karma. Even in Judaism, there's an attitude of karma. Well, yeah, the Old Testament eye for a tooth, tooth, of course. That is a a seedling of karma. It is a seedling of karma, but as as far as vernacular, sorry, allow me to access that word why i don't know but as far as the vernacular of 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 average americans it was not in probably early in your times part of the yeah, modern dialect because no. it was something i've well for with. you you grew up with it you grew up with it but did your parents talk about karma yeah my parents would say it really yeah well karma in my case in my case, karma was not an idea that in was my, introduced me, to me until I was in my late teens. My family were psychics. So my grandfather so was that's, a psychic. But, I mean, my you're cousin not... was a psychic. Uh, my cousin Jerry was a psychic. We were psychics. We, we communicated through the third eye. It was, it was something I grew up okay, with. Okay, so that's, and it's different for you. Where I was drawn to, the circles I was drawn to, the word was quite often used. Okay, and it was just familiar. okay so it's a fringe, but that's fringe. That's not, that's not, you know, you're not the, you're not a, uh, you can't be, you're not a reliable example. Of, I beg your pardon. I, I've, I've never been reliable in my life, but, but as far <laughs> as being unreliable, now we have the word un, the, the root word of un is UN, as in union. Oh, I was thinking underwear. Uh, probably you were. You, you need to change yours. I, <laughs> but, uh, we, let's not talk about changing underwear. But anyway, because um, we can get into your topic of underwear changing. Um, we're not going to mention that. <laughs> so, but, okay, so we'll all talk about my experience. Since, yeah. since, it, since karma was so common to you, Go which ahead, is understandable. <laughs> okay, so in I, karma, I, the, our idea of karma or the, the idea of karma was in, obviously embedded in me because of, you know, biblical lore. However, however, the word karma did not become a part of my vocabulary till my teens. Now, probably, you know, in the 70s, people talked about karma, the hippie movement. I'm sure it was, uh, you know, part of that culture. 
but I don't think the everyday American I'm going to. I think Hair mentioned it in the musical Hair. Maybe. Karma, possibly. Somewhere in there. Yeah. Mary Krishna, Mary Krishna and all that. The, uh, what, what, what we're escaping or avoiding or eluding, uh, eluding, 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 is the idea that the soul, the soul is a history of past lives. And the soul carries in each succeeding lifetime the energies of all the previous lives. And now you're in a new vessel. You're in a new bottle. You know, there's an illusion in the Bible. You can't pour a new wine into old bottles. So let's talk about the karmic destiny and versus karma that can be reawakened, not due to destiny, but due to someone's actions or, you know, igniting that past life karma. I mean, someone has an 11 in their karma, for example, on the karmic side of the birth date, and they don't necessarily have a destiny, a fixed destiny for there to be a fatality or something dramatic to happen, but it occurs. You have to examine why or what caused that negative karma to ignite in that person's life. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously we've spoken on Nauseam about 11. I'm throwing up right now. Huh? I'm throwing up right now. You're throwing up? You have nauseum. Oh. Uh, um, that's Latin. Yes, I know. But uh, the, the, there is 55 I'm fami- years. I'm familiar. I, I, you know, I'm familiar with Latin. It's been a part of my life since I, I, I was I, a young child. I, young I, child. I would call it latent. <laughs> um, the idea that, that numbers hold the narrations. We've said this so many times. And 11 we are does hold a vast amount of negative energy. Now, that's not to say that the slice of the, of the pie, if you will, 3.1, is not always indicative of something dark. 11s can be a wonderful energy, and they can be miraculous. But on the face of the issue of numerology, 11s are have a, a diabolical essence around them, a dark, a dark sin, syndrome. And, uh, and so you've got to be aware of the intensity. Now, that 11 is also related to the other numbers in the birthday, so you really have to do some right. accurate calculation and estimation equations to understand just how powerful that 11 is throughout life. And we'll get that to that when after our book has been published. Um, we're, we're going to be revealing all the secrets of numerology. Never before revealed from anywhere, folks. Never, never. New, all new information. This book will be a power, power, powerhouse of information that's never been discussed. But when, but when we get more into revealing what numbers really mean, the depth of what numbers really mean is going to be quite a fascinating thing. But the idea that 11 does hold something very creepy. There's something very dark in that number. We'll, we'll explain that in the book. I'm not going to do it on the air. But but nonetheless... Well, and there are multiple reasons. I mean, there are multiple... There, there, it's not just one. Well, it's creepy because 
you know. Well, there's depth act. to it. There's, there's depth. There's, behind there's it. a narration behind there's it. There's so behind 22 and 29. Um, which are 11s, respect. I yeah, mean, double 11. Double 11, 29, 29 is 11, 11. Those are all uh, somewhat, ha- has a somewhat diabolical essence to it. Now, for those who are going, what bullshit? Okay, because 11s can also be intriguing. Well, but they all numbers be, have duality. Can, so they, Yeah, they all have the duality. So we're not insinuating that 11s are just, but 11s do hold strong energies regarding alcoholism, addictions. Sexual uh, perversion. Sexual perversion and, you know, darkness, something dark. But again, for those people who have 11s, there's miraculous energies that are very positive. Well, and, and most 11. people, I mean, not everybody has an 11. You can't say most people have an 11. But, I mean, if you look in the birth date, you know, some, a lot of times an 11 can be found, whether it's, I mean, if it's not in the, in the linear code, sometimes it's in the higher code. Sometimes there's an 11 split apart. Sometimes there's a 2 somewhere in the birth date and a 9 or a 3 and an 8, and they're not together. They're, they're split. So, I mean, the intensity of the energy of that 11 may be diluted because of how it's, well, that, I mean, it's diluted because of the past lives, but how the birth date is constructed will reveal how powerful that 11 yeah, is. Yeah, it can be in the linear code. It can be ultimately in the addition of all the numbers and it shows up. It can be in the karmic number. It can be in the transcendent number. It can be anywhere along the line. The idea of 11s, though, is based, you don't just get an 11 in your birthday. It has to come from a, a series of, of lifetimes that brings up that energy. And remember, 11 is the face value of the first chakra facing the first chakra. So when we get into the first chakra, we're getting to the base energy. And our first chakra is not particularly our most enlightening chakra. It's the one we try to stay away from. Dogs may not tell you that, but uh, human beings will tell you that, that the first chakra is not particularly the most enlightening chakra. No, and then you talk about what the first chakra, you know, relates to in regard to, you know, it's foundation, it's grounding. And so a lot of times It's also dust to dust. It's also elimination. It's also... uh, the earth itself, the right. soil. So we get in, when we get into the idea of what one is, we're really looking at the idea ultimately of death because it, it is in the process of decay. It's in the process of elimination. It's in the process of death, burial. The first chakra it is is is. In one respect, the end of all things and the beginning of all things. So dust to dust would be the proper analogy. That's the first chakra. As we raise to the second chakra, we we transcend death and we we get into the idea of birth and creation. And then we now we're birthing creation on a physical level. We get in the idea of the third chakra, we're eating. We're enjoying our life by consumption. We get into the idea of the four chakra, our hearts are beating. We have emotion. We have a stability of, of breathing outside of water. When we have the fifth chakra, now we've elevated to the idea that we are communicating. We can talk. We can laugh. We can communicate. We can express. 
love. Express. Express love, <laughs> especially with the lips. Uh, <laughs> and when we get into the idea of the sixth chakra, we can imagine. We can we can we can re- see things as they are being revealed. We can use all kinds of fancies of thought. We can create, and when we get into the seventh, we can quote worship. We can observe the higher elements that are above the chakras, the heavens, the gods, the goddesses. Me. The, the, everybody. You're talking, you're talking about me. Yeah. Goddess. Um, uh, so those chakras come gradually. But then what happens is as we decline in life, now the chakras go downward until we're 90 years old and wearing diapers. Well, and, and not of all, none of us make it. So it's like a, stage. it's like one of those um, carnivals where you hit the hammer on the peg and it goes up and rings the bell and then it comes down. It, actually, when we die, we don't get swept up into the clouds, contrary to the scripture, but we descend to the ground again. We start to retrace, re-step. The chakras in descending order, our hearts start to stop. Our sex lives stop. Okay, this is super depressing. And gone and rotting <laughs> in the earth and worms are falling <laughs> and have a nice day. Okay. But, but you know, that's the idea that, uh, you know, when we talk about karma, the ultimate karma is we live and die. The ultimate karma was in the Garden of Eden, if you want to follow the biblical... Uh, right, I know that passages. people get offended at that. was karma. Know, biblical references. So karma uh, is is another word for the fall. Consequence. Well, and, action. you know, in, 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 in my vernacular, um, original sin is what they call it. Original sin, and which originates in the Garden of Eden. Karma is original sin. And everybody that comes into the earth is stamped with it. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. Yeah, Karma, original sin, whatever you want to. You know, every multiplied generation thereafter. But you know, the original is is actually based on the first chakra. Original is the first, and the tree sprang from the earth. So if we have the tree of knowledge. What we're really at the tree, chakra number one, and knowledge, chakra number six. And then he says, well, we don't want them to be like gods and live together, live forever. So what the passage says is we're not going to allow humankind to have chakra number seven, but eventually we'll send somebody down so maybe they can obtain it. If you're in that persuasion of thought. Now, the idea that um, we have a relationship between the first chakra and the sixth chakra, which is communication. And one of the, the, the first bad dialogue between humankind and God was after an act of disobedience. That became the first existential language on the planet. Although God made a commandment, supposedly, that says, if you eat the treat thereof, you will surely die. Okay, well, that was a warning. It wasn't a dialogue. But now, so that became a subjective viewpoint of God. 
There was no answer. But then they eat of the tree, and now we have a dialogue going that is the first. It, that dialogue ruptures the sacred the sanctity of our connection to God, and it becomes a, a disillusioned existential conversation. You will be banned. You will, you will die. You will be sweating. You will be in pain. You'll be in turmoil. And now we have the beginning of 11, the beginning of something dark. First, it was a warning. One then it was, the warning was repeated into an actual one. So now we have the reflection of one on one. And we have the idea that now life has a shadow. And we are entering something that's dark and controversially of short duration. We all will die. So now we've got this idea that there is darkness in the world. I mean, the world starts off without form and void. And then God just sort of starts playing his tunes and presents all kinds of shapes and forms of life. But then when it gets to a man and a woman, something happens. Something happens as soon as God breathes a living soul in the human beings. Now there's consequences. Now there's going to be consequences. So it's a blessing and it's a curse. And now we have the form of duality. Because by breathing a living soul was a blessing, but it also became a curse. Before we close the show, because we're at our 90-second warning, in Eastern culture, the idea of karma, returning, you know, paying off karma and having to return to the earth time after time after time to do to pay off that karma is part of the consciousness is part of the teachings in western culture christianity um judaism doesn't talk about past lives or the earth well at least in 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 christian in christianity it's you don't return to the earth there's no talk about returning to the earth to pay off karma you, you know, go Christ to hell or heaven. He did come back. But I'm talking yeah, about what the teachings are. So uh, that's but the we're difference. out of time. We are. And uh, we will be back on the air on Wednesday. Indeed, we will. Okay. Don't Have, get those donations. Um, I hope we don't scare people by asking, but there's a place on the planet that's nonprofit that doesn't ask for donations. And this is just to help us with the show, uh, the cost that Blog Talk charges to put these uh, shows on. Okay, thanks. Bye.